Hey everybody, it's Connor. I wanna pop in before the episode starts to thank you for finding us and listening. Welcome to Drama. Your favorite twins, AKA me and Dylan, are here every single Wednesday to bring you a fun, long form interview style conversation chat. With, does that make any sense at all? Oh my God. With um, the stars of today, tomorrow and yesterday. Okay, did that make any sense? Anyway, before you get into the bones of the episode, the meat and potatoes, as they say, I want to tell you that in addition to these weekly Wednesday episodes, Dylan and I have a Patreon called Drama Plus, where for $5 a month, you can support us, our podcasting endeavors, and you get access to extra episodes every month, where it's Dylan and I chit-chatting over there on Drama Plus, and you can chat with us. It's very fun. You can also chat with us via Instagram because we'll add you to our close friends on Drama, which is where we get into the juice. It's the page six. It's the Dumois. It's the um, live journal. What does that even mean? I don't know. You have to tell me if I'm making any sense. But anyway, here's what does make sense. You going to patreon.com slash the drama podcast to pay $5 a month to support us Get all the drama you need. All right. Enjoy this episode with Katie Rose Clark. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I am Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Dylan, I feel like my hair kind of looks like yours today. It's like a little curlier than usual. I love that you're embracing the curl. I think that, you know, there's a lot of people who spend a lot of money and (laughs) do a lot of, take a lot of time to make their hair look curly. So you might as well, you know, embrace it. Like in Caramel's RuPaul's Drag Race UK look when it was yes. the pajamas situation when she had all the curlers in her hair. Check how I said pajama. Look at you remembering something for once that, that just I happened. Know. I feel like with Usually you, a lot of times it's in one ear and out the other. Sadly, I know. Mm-hmm. Isn't that, doesn't that suck? I used to have like the best memory. As long as you're enjoying it in the moment. I can remember the most bizarre things, such as like what happened in a certain Housewives episode or <laughs> what meal I got before I saw a specific show. But the everyday things I consume, it's really sad. Maybe I'm not getting it my full attention, which I should check into. But anyway, Dylan, are you well? Yeah, What's going on? I'm so well. I'm very excited. So, you know, people often dog on me for living in Ohio. They're like, why aren't you back in New York? You know, why are you doing all this? But reasons like what I'm about to share is a prime example of why I love living in Ohio. This weekend, in a theater about an hour away from where I live, Jennifer Samard, two-time Tony nominee, is performing in Hello, Dolly!, and I'm going and you're coming with me. <laughs> I know. Isn't it so fun? Like the stars so have a fun. line that it's right before Thanksgiving. I'm yes. home so close to you. Um, friend of the pod, Jennifer Smard. Yes. She's yes, going to yes, be yes. amazing. Yes. I've heard and seen some clips already. And I mean, she's already looks phenomenal in her outfits. Anytime you put someone in a bustle, they look absolutely amazing. A bustle so. can be life altering. Sometimes it is the outfit, but I, I'm really excited. You know, she obviously was in Hello, Dolly on Broadway, but play, didn't play that the titular role. So did I'm she, very excited. Did she understudy it? Or I guess they probably would have like Donna Murphy go on for bet and then Bernadette hashtag really, did all eight. So I'm, no, I'm so excited. I'm glad that you're here. We have some exciting weeks ahead. I'm going to be visiting you in New York. Of course, this episode will come out. That might have already happened, but I'm just feeling good about 
life and everything that's that's personally happening for us and I love it. The podcast and well, Dylan. Mm -hmm. Speaking of experiencing great theater in Ohio, our guest mm -hmm. today we first saw in Ohio. National mm -hmm. Tour of Wicked, when we were, yeah. it was a pivotal time. It was giving Ring of Keys, to be honest. It was giving. Because mm -hmm. we were starting to grow up and grow into our, the people we'd become. And of course, Wicked is a life-changing experience. She was Glinda. And we, yeah. we went back and I think we won the lottery twice. And, we did, we got to see her three times. And still mm -hmm. to this day, my favorite Glinda in Wicked. Um, I know. But I've also seen her in tons of other things. Yeah, um, she's been in a lot of meaningful shows that have meant a lot to so many people. So I can't wait to get into all of it. Also, she's so sweet. Dylan, I think it's time for you to read her in. It's time. Our guest today is a Broadway star who has brought endless joy, beauty, and brilliance to each of her iconic roles on stage. Although she is currently starring as Beth in George Firth and Stephen Sondheim's Merrily We Roll Along, this star first treaded the boards as Kelly O'Hara's successor in The Light in the Piazza on Broadway. She reprised her role on tour and appeared in the PBS Live from Lincoln Center filming of the acclaimed musical. She toured the nation and starred on Broadway as Glinda in Wicked, appeared as Hannah in Allegiance opposite Tally Leung as a special guest in Kristen Chenoweth for The Girls, and recreated the role of Ellen in the most recent Miss Saigon revival. Other stage appearances include The Heart of Rock and Roll, The Last Five Years, Tenderloin, A Prayer for My Enemy, Anything Goes, and more. On television, you'll recognize her from The Good Wife, NCIS New Orleans, Relevant, and more. She is a wife, a mother, and a queen in our eyes. Please welcome to drama, Katie Rose Clark. Oh, what a beautiful intro. Thank you. Thank you for being on our show, Katie Rose, <laughs> as I like to call you. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like this has been a long time coming. 100%. You're giving me chills. <laughs> I know. We're such huge fans. And the chat we already had before this, you're so sweet and accommodating a dream guest in every way. So thanks for joining <laughs> oh. us. We love to oh check in gosh. with our guests as we start the chat. Are you well? Thank you for asking. I am well. I am, you know, having the time of my life in the show that I'm in right now. I have my sweet babies. I have three kids and really kind of sorry for everybody out there. I married the greatest person in the world. So that's good. <laughs> so I am very well, you know, I'm, I'm just chugging right along. How are you? Are you well? Yes, I'm great. I love this time of year and I'm on vacation for the next week and a half, which is amazing. And I can't wait for the holiday season. It's, it's honestly my favorite time of year. So I'm feeling good vibes. Yeah, I'm well, I'm well as well. You know, there <laughs> I'm I'm about to come to New York and visit Connor and we're doing like seven shows in a week. It makes me feel it's just like nothing makes me feel more alive. Unfortunately, not merrily like... this time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Seven. All right. Tell me all seven you're doing. <laughs> okay, it might be eight if we're able to squeeze in sleep no more. But oh, we're must. seeing yeah. We, never never, never seen it. it. Have you never done sleep done no more? No. Okay. Thank you for asking. Cause I literally <laughs> I just saw because it's done, right? It's yeah, in and Jan. In, okay. Yeah. My best friend's husband has been in it for a while and I have not had the chance to see him yet. And that has been, he, he had an injury. So he was out for like a hot second, but I keep saying to her, I was like, I got to come before he's done. So how do I make it work? So yes, my plan is to go really soon, but I haven't done it either. So that's on my list. Yes. There's a rare Monday performance. I think they throw in there every now and then. Right. So I know. Mm, I keep that's thinking. when I think we're going to try and go. Okay. Maybe I can go with y'all. Yeah, I will talk. We'll talk. Okay. Then um, have to see Hades Town because 
Betty who is in it currently. And so I have to go see them in it. And then we're going to see this play at second stage that stars Andrew Burnap, who was in The Inheritance. It's called Spain. He was just King Arthur and in Camelot. And he did our show. I love Andrew. Um, He was unbelievable as King Arthur. I saw him twice. Wasn't he great? I just never understood King Arthur before I saw him do it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Love. Oh, yeah. I love the way you put that. And then, of course, we've got to see Here We Are. Amazing. Which I'm going in knowing as little as possible. And then... I don't know anything. I mean, I really don't know anything. Yeah. And then Harmony is doing Thursday matinees. So going to squeeze in that. And then How to Dance in Ohio that night. So it's two new musicals. And then we're going to check out I Can Get It For You Wholesale at Classic Stage Company. So a little mix of Broadway and off. Golly, you guys really have an eclectic mix there. Okay, so How to Dance in Ohio. Those are our neighbors. We're next door to them on Broadway. Yeah. Dying to see it. And then I Can Get It For You Wholesale is so many friends in that show. And also I did a reading of that uh, like a long time ago with Lindsay Mendez and Rebecca Naomi Jones I feel like and Rebecca's in it. A lot she's of people have changed over, but she's still in it. Yeah. So anyway, and trips, you know, but that's been such a project of his forever. And he's so brilliant that I've been so excited to see it. Oh, yes. So not a ton of the, the big uh, revivals that we're seeing this time around. So I'm going to come back in February with my boyfriend and he's demanding to see Merrily, which Connor and I got to see it. Uh, New York Theater Workshop last year. And then I got to see my boy, Aaron Tveit and Sweeney. So there's a lot of Ugh. a lot of fun stuff to come as well. I, I try to come quarterly. I always joke. So oh, I can see what Connor good. for free. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fun with the podcast too, to keep up with all the things happening. Yeah, for sure. It's so fun. Well, mm-hmm. speaking of Merrily, which we did see at New York Theater Workshop, I felt like it was a perfect night of theater, truly took my breath away. Congrats to you on an amazing performance and on this move to Broadway. How's it been going? Oh my gosh. It's been a real dream. I got to tell you, it has been a labor of love, I think for everybody. And we got the opportunity to do it off Broadway and really kind of solidify things when we moved to Broadway. So it was just, I think that's the luxury of our journey right now is that we had the connections that were made for that first period of time at New York Theater Workshop. And then we kind of let go of it and released it for a while and a time. And then we revisited it. And really everybody is just richer and deeper and friendships and relationships and connections are richer and deeper. And that just really translates to what's happening on stage every night. I think. When we saw it last, was it December, Connor? Maybe December or January? January, Yeah. I just was, was mesmerized by the, it's so intricately put together and the, and the cast. It's crazy because you all love each other, you can tell, but then the way that you're able to to sort of navigate the tricky relationships, it still hurt, you know, watching it all in, yeah. in reverse order. <laughs> yeah. I think that what's so fun about a show like this is that the offstage relationships actually kind of translate to what's happening on stage. I think that's such a unique thing. When, well, for me anyway, I haven't really experienced that very many times, but we're really like the connections and, and the people that you love and the actors that you love, like if there's a blend weirdly to having them be on stage partners with you, <laughs> and then you just like that love and the affection that you have for them as a person just really translates into the characters that you have together. And 
I think that's a really, from, from my perspective, that's been a unique thing about this particular project. I mean, you and Lindsay kind of go hand in hand. I love that you're a package deal these days <laughs> with, with appearing in similar shows and readings, as you just mentioned. <laughs> Had you known Jonathan or I suppose Daniel Radcliffe, who's been kind of in and out of the theater world over the last decade before this as well? Yeah, so Lindsay and I are really close and um, we did Wicked together ex- almost exactly 10 years ago on Broadway. And that was how we really became friends was during that show. And honestly, she's one of my closest friends since then. We've really maintained, she moved to LA and we've really maintained a friendship through then. We have kids the same age. And so, yeah, we've we've maintained a close friendship the whole time. Um, Jonathan and I also know each other for even longer. When I replaced Kelly in Light in the Piazza, she, he was doing Spring Awakening at the same time, kind of back to back same times. So he and I became friends back then. And sort of not as like consistently close and like Lindsay and I would talk every day, but Jonathan and I would kind of check in kind of throughout the years. But like, this has been a real gift for that because I think there have been so many times that we have wanted to work together and almost have worked together and haven't. So that this is the show that we're working together on is pretty special. So yes, I do have a similar sort of friendship with him. Lindsay and I, she's like a sister to me. I I kind of tell her everything. She's really, we are really close. And then Dan, I didn't know at all, but have so many friends in common with, which is so funny. Like, you know, I just, that I have friends in common with Daniel Radcliffe is bizarre, but you know, we're in the show together and we have all these common people. So yeah, there was like a really kind of quick, just kinship with everybody. It kind of happened really easily. And same, similarly, I will say for, I know Lindsay and Graf have similarly had like a long time friendship. And, and so all of that kind of just was there and translates to what we're doing in the show. Oh, it sounds amazing. You're, I feel like I want to go see it tonight. You're, you're kind of like killing me here because <laughs> it is so good. And I just love this cast. It's, it's beyond. Wait, I just thought of something. Do you remember when you guys were at the workshop, there was a door where people would put things on it. I don't know the specifics, but I tweeted after I saw the show, I tweeted about John Groff's dump truck booty in those pants and somebody printed out the tweet and put it on the door and sent, then I was I don't know who sent it. I don't know who sent it to who, but it got back to me a photo of him posing with my tweet. Do you, do you know anything about this? Do you remember that photo? Okay. Yes. <laughs> I know this. Okay. But I don't remember how that became like part of the like backstage conversation, but I will not forget that tweet. I had no idea it was you. <laughs> I can't believe I just, this tweet. is the, this is the I reveal. Outed the reveal. I outed myself, but I was I was like shout out to that costume designer whoever's getting these pants for him and shout out to him in general. Oh my god, Connor, that just like blew my mind. Because <laughs> and I'm trying to remember what we did with that. But that was like definitely something that happened. So we used to have this thing off stage and, and we still do on Broadway, but it was like the stage management printed out. It was all these faces that of Jonathan Groff, like <laughs> which Jonathan are you today? And there were all these like, you know, in his different roles or in different moments during our own rehearsals or within our own show, like just close-ups of him in every state of emotion, like joyous, like crying, like all the different emotions. And because it was so tight at New York Theater Workshop, we passed this sign every day before every show. We would go in and be like, all right, which Jonathan are you? And it was like, you know, are you feeling this? Or are you feeling the happy Jonathan? Or are you George? You know what I mean? Like, oh, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like always so 
I was like, was it something about that, that somebody put it up there next to that about like the dump truck booty, but I cannot believe that you are the dump truck booty comment. I, that is amazing. I can't believe it either. I mean, my workplace found out about it and I wasn't in trouble. So that's, that's good ultimately. <laughs> <laughs> Well, a young gay like me dreams about Jonathan Groff acknowledging him. And then when he does, it's about me tweeting about his, his rear. So that's kind of embarrassing, but fun at the end of the day, you know? But also like totally, it's valid. I mean, he's a beautiful man. So oh, he is. no one can fault you for tweeting about it. Thank you, Katie. I appreciate that. I really appreciate it. I forgot about that. That's so funny. I, oh I my goodness. Believe, you know what? I am going to follow up on this tonight when I go to work because I cannot believe that was your tweet. <laughs> And I want to know, like, what did we do? I remember us all, like, having something to do. I guess they put it up next to that thing about his dump truck booty. Yeah. We know that he posed with it because someone who knew someone sent us a photo of him, like, smiling with his um, bike helmet on, pointing at it. (laughs) You know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's on our Instagram. It's, like, it's one of our pinned Instagram posts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. um, Oh, it is? Oh, my gosh. Okay. yeah, we have it on our Instagram too for for reference if you need it. But um, so it seems like there's shenanigans happening on Broadway at the Hudson Theater. I love that it's there. I'm I'm I have questions just about the direction of the show because Maria Friedman is a hero to many young theater lovers who know her as the narrator from the Donny Osmond yeah. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. But to see this strong woman stepping into a directing role, mm-hmm. let alone fixing what many deem to be a problematic musical, not problematic because they're the content, but just that might not have worked because of the structure of it. What has your experience been like working with Maria Friedman? I, I got to tell you, it's been great. I love Maria. And I think she has this understanding with this particular show that has unlocked a lot of things that people might have deemed, like you said, problematic or you know, uh, tricky to solve. She seems to have solved it. What I love about her and what I think she kept reminding everybody of was the humanity of it. And that like, not to really approach it as like an actor, but just as a human. And so anything that you would kind of think about as you were looking at this material or any kind of, if, if you knew the show or had any like understanding of this lack of success of the show or any baggage with the show before, like that kind of did go out the window because she just continued to pull us towards like, well, here's the reality of what's happening in this moment for this person. And this is the circumstances. And this is, so it kind of just painted this framework of this is what's happening right now for this particular person. So for me with Beth, it was like, this is what's your life. This is your husband. This is your child. And this is the stakes. And this is what is about to happen. And kind of then within that, I, I she gave me full freedom to just behave however I wanted to behave within those guidelines. And I think that was the best thing about her approach is that it was really human. And she gave us real, well, me, she gave, and and I think everybody, but I'm just speaking from my perspective, she gave us freedom to just feel however we wanted to feel about the given circumstances. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, here's where this is happening. And here's where this is. She didn't lay it out. It was just, the structure is this. So let's play and find what it is for you within this framework. Wow. I can imagine there's a freedom to that. And especially when you're recreating something or like revising something that hasn't ever really clicked. I think that what you're doing specifically as Beth works and there's so much agency to the character that I'd never really seen before. And you're able to communicate it so beautifully, Katie Rose. It is just gorgeous. 
that means so much to me. Uh, I will say that is a lot in part to the freedom that Maria gave me. And also like, just, I think if I had a director that had the weight of the, the fact that that was the song, you know, that everybody knows, and there was such a, uh, you know, an understanding of that, that was like Steve's most famous ballads that I, I think if I, if I felt that from her at any point, I probably would have crumbled, but she really did make sure with me. And I don't know if it's because that was the song that I had to sing, but she really made sure with me that mm. I was free within that. And that I really am thankful for that because I do think that I've been able to sort of spread my wings and really figure it out for myself. And luckily it's just me and Jonathan on stage. So he's such an incredible actor that I just trust him and can kind of just trust him, trust the material and exist within the confines of what those things are. Wow. Oh, it is so good. I mean, it hit me. I think what's amazing that you're able to do is you have the most beautiful songbird voice ever but you're able to still act and display frustration and sadness and and the grief of this relationship all at the same time without it sounding bad. I don't know. It's like it's truly a gift because I think sometimes people think, oh, if I yell or I cry through a song, I'm commuting, I'm acting, or that's my way of acting. But you're able to make it still so musical. It's 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 an achievement, and the fact that it's like an eleven o'clock number. I mean, very early on in the show, it's it's wild. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> I appreciate that so much. I think it's such a delicate balance, especially with a song like that, that there is so much emotion behind it that like I could very and often do. I mean, and every night is different. I will say that. Like there's no two nights that I've done it exactly the same, but it's a delicate balance of like there are some nights that I'm just I give in to like I'm just crying and that's it. That's the end mm-hmm. of the story for me. <laughs> I just that's the emotion. And then there are nights that I am able to do it in a different way. And, but I don't go out there with some predetermined idea of what I'm going to do in the moment, you know, moment by moment within the song. So anyway, I appreciate you saying that. That was really kind, but I do. I, that's my goal is to hopefully honor the melody and what's been written, but also um, be truthful in the story. And that can be a really delicate balance and it can be really tricky to do that. Yeah, for oh, sure. We don't really get into process too much on this podcast, but since you mentioned that's how you approach going in and doing that number night after night, or even just playing the role, is that how you've always been as an actor or has that been a unique experience for this show? No, that's 100% how I've always been as an actor. So when I felt from Maria that she kind of aligned with me in that, there were like a couple of times that she would recall something that I did in a rehearsal or something and try to pull that out. And I just would, I would just always say, I don't know that I'll always do it the same way twice. And honestly, I think she must be similarly minded or something, but because I communicated that to her, she really directed me in that headspace. Like it was very much like, okay, so, and and honestly, she was very yes. And right away, she was like, oh yeah, I don't want, I don't ever want it to be like formulaic or figured out for you. So every day, if it's different, that's great. So yes, that is how I approach work always is that I want to know, like, this is what my trajectory is. This is what the framework of the scene is. And within that there's freedom to sort of, as long as I know that this is where I'm going with it. And this is, these are the points I need to hit to get to the end point to tell the story. And I want to color within that, whatever colors I like and whatever feels true and spontaneous in the moment. Because I, I do think that what we respond to as an audience is the spontaneous behavior. So I love mm. to have the freedom within the framework of this piece and the truth of the story to color 
and have room for spontaneous behavior to be there. And I think that Maria really responded to that. And she actually directed me in that in in light of that. So well, that's so refreshing. I'd, I'd imagine when you're doing a long run, that helps keep it really you know, engaging with you as a performer too. I mean, I, yeah. I read conflicting facts that either you were the longest running Glinda or you're one of the longest running Glindas across all the different productions that you did. And I can imagine doing it that much. It probably was fun to be able to, I mean, I can personally say I never saw you do popular the same way any of the three times that I got to see yeah. you do it, but I'm sure that was helpful too, to be able to keep it interesting for yourself. Oh yeah, for sure. I don't know if I'm the, I mean, I think it's been fact checked. I don't know if I'm the longest has the most performances on Broadway or if I'm the longest running in general, like, I don't know the facts around like my stats, yeah. <laughs> but yes, that's like been a real, like in the past few years, people have been, that's one part of my intro now. And I think it's so, like, it must yeah. be wow. Yeah, <laughs> it must be. I mean, I was obsessed with you as Glinda. I still tell everyone you're my favorite. But what I loved about your Glinda was that in Wicked, of course, for the listeners, you know, for the listeners, who maybe aren't familiar with who Glinda is. Oh, well, you, right. you going into like my process as an actor and I don't know, you maybe they don't even know who Glinda is. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that Glinda really went on a journey. I mean, I've said this before on the show and I think Glinda goes through probably even more of a significant change than Alphaba does. And I love when an actor is able to really convey that her, you know, point A to point B finish of, you know, the character is so rich and your Glinda was beyond. The change from act one to act two was so impactful and it mm -hmm. felt so deep. And I know, and I've seen so many different actresses do it so many different ways, which is what's amazing about theaters. You can see different people do it different ways, yeah. but yours just felt so true. Like, of course she would change and become this person, you know, like she had to. And yeah. gosh, I just loved you as Glinda. You know, when you look back on Wicked, you know, you did it on tour, you did mm -hmm. it on Broadway, mm -hmm. then you went back on tour right? And then back on Broadway? Is that how it was? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think of when I first mentioned like, oh my God, Wicked? Oh my gosh. I just, first of all, I love the show so much and I always have. So I'm forever a fan of the show and I was first a fan of the show. And so when I had the opportunity to actually do it, I, I think I just was so excited to dive into who Glinda was and explore it. And then truly it was for me as an actor, I just like loved to find, like you're saying, the the great difference between where she starts and where she starts the show and where she ends the show and how the growth, like how, and I kept, when I wanted so much was to like, how much can I show that she's grown? Like how crazy can it mm. be for her to be this sort of unaware of anything, but her own internal sphere and her own sort of upper uplands life to like I have to lead the people and grieve my best friend. And I've learned all these things like, and now I have to lay all of that of myself aside to lead. Well, how vast of a journey can I make this? And I found that to be very thrilling. And I was given that freedom too. I will say this by our creative team on Wicked. And I, I actually was thankful for that. And I had a pretty good relationship with our creative team. So I was able to really explore that. And I joined the tour in 2007. So it was relatively early in, in the show. So I did get a lot of chance to play. And, and then it just grew as I grew, it grew, you know, and I had the opportunity, luckily, thank God, you know, they invited me back <laughs> for more contracts and more opportunities to do the show. So I was able to continue to work on it. 
And the wigs were changed over the years too. They went from very curly, but like a bob type thing into more of a long. They did. Yeah. The shiz wig particular. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> now you, when we got to see you do it in Cleveland, you were opposite Carmen Cusack okay. and we, when we had Carmen on the show, she fondly remembered being in Cleveland during a horrible blizzard and you had, well, it was, this wasn't a fond memory. you you had a sick animal that you, the two of you needed to travel and tend to somewhere in Cleveland when everything was like closed yeah. down. <laughs> she is, that is such a crazy memory. And it is very much like forever. It was such a core moment. Like ugh, it was crazy. This puppy that I adopted was having these seizures and was like having these horrible things. And I was like, I, there's only one pet hospital, but I don't know how to get there. And she was like, so let's go do this. And she <laughs> drove through this crazy. I mean, it was like the mayor was like, it's a state of emergency. Everybody stay in. Oh, that's what it was. I guess mm-hmm. the show was canceled because it was a state of emergency. We drove mm-hmm. in this blizzard to go to this animal hospital and she, I re- I will never forget. It was white out. I mean, I, so I'm from the Gulf yeah. coast of Texas. Like it's basically Florida. Like it is so it's balmy. It's humid. I've never been in a snow storm like this. So we were driving around and her eyes were like watering. Cause she was trying to see in the white. And I was like, maybe do you want your sunglasses? Cause it's pretty glary. So I like put her sunglasses on and I'm holding my like puppy dog and like trying to make sure that she can like drive in these crazy conditions. I mean, it was like bananas. So yes, we <laughs> were very, but we were, I mean, we were so bonded before that. And like, you know, Carmen was my first alphabet. And, and before we even mm-hmm. ever went like into the rehearsal room, the first day she had me up, she was a standby in Chicago for alphabet. And I will never forget when she joined the tour to be alphabet full time. She, she invited me over to her hotel room and I went in there and she poured me a cocktail and I was like, we have rehearsed tomorrow. I don't know. And I was like, just going to drink this cocktail with her. And we started talking about just what it was going to look like. And I was like, I, I don't know if I can do this. And I just told her, I was like, I am not like a comedian. I don't think I can do this. And I, and I just said, I like laid it all out there for her. And she was like, well, that's exactly why. I'm excited to to do the show with you because wow. I think that, you know, I think the best Glinda's are the ones that don't think they're that funny. And I said to her, I was mm. like, yeah, I don't know that I'm a comedian. I'm not, I've never been in a comedic role. And anyway, so she was always just a big believer in me and always encouraged me and sort of held me up. And honestly, if it wasn't her, that was my first alphabet. I don't know that I would have lasted as long as I did in Wicked because it's such a demanding role. And and, you know, and the women come and go, I mean, you get different witches, you get different alphabets, mm-hmm. dynamic shifts. But if she wasn't my first, I don't know if that I would have had the good groundwork laid that I had because of her. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love to hear that. And you were hysterical, by the okay. way, in, in, in the best of ways. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that you and Carmen are both from Texas, although she's been by way of like London and other places. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like Dorit from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> yes. Her accent is from all over the place. That's so true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we like to um sort of tap into like where your your beginnings were. You mentioned that you're from Texas. We call it the Ring of Keys moment as we if we chatted about it's that place where you found, you know, your voice or you you attached yourself to the arts for the first time. Do you feel like there was a person or a show or some sort of a memory that 
was your ring of keys moment? Oh yeah. There's one person forever and ever is Lainey Carlin. And she was my first voice teacher ever. And she gave me all of her cast albums and I would just take them and play them on my boom box in my room and like, yeah, or over the like album cover, whatever the note, you know, Oh yeah. The liners, the liners. Thank you. I never mm-hmm. remember the term, but yes. like, <laughs> And if they had the pictures in there from the show, like production shots, I would just like study that. And you know, they're tiny. It's like a CD is so tiny. So anyway, Lainey Carlin is the reason that I fell in love with musical theater. And then I will never forget. I came up here as a freshman in high school and it was my first time to be in New York city and my family, my, my mom and dad had gotten tickets to two shows. And one of them was because I loved the show. And one of them was because they knew somebody, they were familiar with one actress. So one of them was Miss Saigon. And I was obsessed with Miss Saigon. And Leia Salonga had returned to Miss Saigon at that point for like a short time. And the other one was Chicago, which I also knew and loved, but it was my parents were familiar with BB Newworth. She had also returned to Chicago. This is like at the same time. So I came up with my family and watched BB New Earth in Chicago and Leia Salonga in Miss Saigon. And I was like, done, done. Yeah, done deal. Yeah. That is amazing. I didn't know your connection to Miss Saigon. I mean, we did see you in the most recent revival, but that's so cool. Yes. And it was my first Broadway show to ever see. And I saw Leia. And so when I worked with her on Allegiance, I was unwell and yeah. probably she yeah. thinks I'm nuts because I still don't know how to talk to her. And then we did a whole run of a Broadway show together. <laughs> oh my gosh. When you did Miss Saigon, Ellen's song was different. It's not now that I've seen her in that version. And I loved the the song that um, they put in for it when you were in the show, but I am mm-hmm. a huge fan of now that I've seen her. What, what yeah. did, was the song changed before you joined that production? It was, it was, yeah. Okay. So they had done that on the West End revival. So the same sort of, the same team, same, almost same cast. So it was Eva Noblezada and Alistair Brammer. And it was almost the exact same group. They replaced the song and they really believed in it and really wanted to see it through. And so when they brought it to Broadway, I, and I have to say, I'm a Saigon gal. So like the fact that it was new was like, I was like suspect. But the more that I talked with the team and the more and and really they gave me a lot of trust with it, which was so amazing and surreal at the time. I was like, oh, my God, I cannot believe I'm having this conversation about, you know, (laughs) the music in this show. But they really wanted to see this through. And I actually am now a convert to maybe maybe is the name of the new song. Right. And to the vision behind why they changed it and and the writing behind it. I think it is a really solid replacement for now that I've seen her as someone who is a Saigon purist, like now that I've seen her <laughs> it. Yeah. But you think maybe is is also it. Oh, yeah. That's so fun. Were you on the live album or was that done in? That was the West End cast. Okay. Okay. Um, And they changed things since then. So what you hear on the West End cast is not exactly what I did. So, so yeah. So maybe I have a different perspective than maybe what people are hearing on the, on the Mm -hmm. recording. Mm -hmm. Darn it. I wish that we would have gotten a a recording, but I understand if it was most of the same cast, it's just expensive to do, but. It was, well, it was Rachel Ann Goh and Alistair and Eva, and then, you know, the same creative team. John John was. Oh, and John John, of course. Yeah. 
gosh, the icon. Yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. Gosh. Robbed of a Tony nomination. Yes. Oh yes, my yes, God. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. What was that year? It was a week. <laughs> That's a different podcast. I mean, it's Sorry. it's. But you know, because I'm his biggest fan. Yeah. Oh, he's magical. Oh, as a human and as a performer, and then like, and then he comes over and holds my babies, and he's like this baby whisper. Her, you know, like he's just a true human. For you know, like I just can't. The fact that he was not nominated. So anyway, yeah, I will defend mm -hmm. him to the death. Yeah. Was Miss Saigon before Allegiance? So were you like entering Miss Saigon before you worked with Leia Salonga? Or was it the reverse? No, I it was after. Okay. So I had already worked with Leia. <laughs> I know. I had already worked with Leia on Allegiance and then Saigon came around and yeah, it was like kind of a funny, weird full circle thing. I was like, okay, well, this is just part of my journey with mm -hmm. Broadway. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it was my first show and then I worked with her and then I did the revival of the show that made her who she is. I mean in the same theater, right? In the same theater. In the same theater that yeah. I saw her in. I mean, it was crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that is bonkers. Mm -hmm. And now have you ever got to work with B.B. Newworth? I mean, an equally impactful figure, I'm sure. Have no. Okay. This is a never before ever heard story. The drama exclusive. It is a, yes, a drama exclusive. You guys hot off the presses. I love her so much and I am her biggest fan. And then, so I've been involved with the heart of rock and roll forever. And we did this workshop over the summer and it was so amazing. And I, I love the team so much. And I did this workshop and Huey Lewis, who it's his music. He is friends with BB. I think probably cause he also, he did Chicago and Broadway. He was Billy Flynn, I think in Chicago. Oh, Yeah. So I don't know if that's how they know each other. I really don't know how they knew. I just assumed sure. it was because of that connection. But anyway, she came to one of our final presentations and I could not speak to her. I could not. I was so nervous, you know, but she came and she saw us and she told Huey and Lauren Lataro, our choreographer for that show, just to make sure that I knew <laughs> that she loved me in the presentation. And I was just that for me was it. Uh, the fact that mm -hmm. she saw me do anything, even it was just a workshop, you know, that I did for, you know, three weeks, it meant the world to me. So no, I haven't actually interacted with her or engaged with her. But the fact that she saw me do something and made a point to say that she enjoyed me in it was pretty huge. Oh, I could quit. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. My career's over. Yeah. I've peaked. <laughs> I've, I've yeah. got to ask about your Broadway debut in Light in the Piazza. What was that experience like? How old were you? I was 21. I had just turned 21. It was crazy. My you guys had asked me about my circle of keys. It was really Lainey Carlin who introduced me to theater. Yeah. She went to college with a woman named Kim Grigsby, which you may, I don't know if you've heard of her. She's mm -hmm. a music director on Broadway and has done many. I mean, her resume is insane. She was conducting Light in the Piazza on Broadway. And they were trying to replace Kelly and trying to replace Kelly. And Lainey and Kim went to college together. Kim was conducting Piazza. They were trying to replace Kelly. I had met Kim one singular night before. And so when they were trying to replace Kelly, Kim said to Lainey, is Katie at all around? And Lainey said, yes, she is. Um, and so they called me kind of out of the blue to come in and audition to replace Kelly. And I truly was about as green as you could get, I was like about to graduate from college and just didn't know anything. And so I flew up to New York with my mom thinking like it would be a one-off thing. And 
And then I auditioned and then they asked me to like come back again and kind of a callback. And like my mom and I were like planning to leave the next day and we're like, oh no, we need to like extend our stay and find another place to stay and, and change our flights. And so we changed our hotels, we changed our flights. And then we ended up like staying and doing the callback. And then I got it. I mean, it was like the craziest thing. What was going through your head when you were going through this really quick audition callback process? Because you know, Broadway's on the horizon. You're about to finish school. You're going to start to go and start hacking it as an actor. And then here you are in this whirlwind. Did you think to yourself, wait, this could really happen? Or were you kind of just not sure where it was going to go? Yeah. So both. I had this moment of like, this is such a long shot. I'm just going to come up here and see Kim again. And like, you know, it's cool that she wanted me to audition for this thing and then go home. You know, I was like, I think it was like Thanksgiving too. It was like almost Thanksgiving at the time. So I was like, just going to go home and have the holidays with my family and then graduate from college. So, but then as it went on and I had, so I had this first audition and then I had these work sessions and kind of as the week went on, I was like, oh no. And I, I will never forget this. I told my mom, I was like, I hate this, but I am now like getting to the point where I really want this to happen. And she, oh gosh, I wish she was with me because she would tell her side of it, which is awesome. She was like, I just knew that moment when you said you really wanted it for, I just heard this. I heard it, that it was yours. And I took you out and I gave you a martini and we saw another show. And I was like, that's all I needed to do. I was like, I knew I, for some reason, I don't know how I knew, but she just, she says, I just knew it was yours. And so we went out and we had a drink together and we saw another Broadway show. And then we didn't speak of it again. And the next day is when I went in for my final callback and I got it. It was crazy. Mom's side is super cool. It's better than mine for sure. And she oh. remembers chills that I don't remember. <laughs> I have the chills. <laughs> I know. I feel like crying. That is so special. It's like you, it was all meant to be in that moment. Now, did you ever finish college? Like, how did that go? Like, did they like oh, just yeah. give you the degree or were they like? <laughs> so both. Yeah. I had like one class that was not theater related still as a senior. And I just, I finished it online and then everyone kind of gave me the freedom to go. And so, yes, I do have my degree. <laughs> oh, I was going to say like getting so close and then, you know. What was it like? You, you know, you're starring in your Broadway debut. Was it a good experience? Yeah. And then the whole journey started and then it was like, I had so much to learn. Yeah. I think it was, it was really tricky and really hard. And especially because my first job with it became, you know, it was such a, it was like a huge break, you know, it was like a huge deal that it was sort of tricky to navigate some of the things that I should have probably known, but didn't. Cause I, and it was mm. 2005. I mean, like YouTube wasn't even around. Like I didn't know anything. So I didn't know, I didn't know backstage life. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what the rules were. So I just really was learning as I went along and realizing I just made the thing that I think is great is that I made every single mistake and I did it mm. in a big way and learned everything the hard way. But I'm also, you know, such a people pleaser that I just, I, I was just really like wanting to do the best that I could, you know, in every way overwhelmed. And I cut my teeth on that show and on Wicked, which was my next show and learned a lot of things really uh, the hard way. I just learned things the hard way and by making mistakes. And I think that's a lot of people in their twenties. I don't think I'm unique in that, but, and then, you know, I think to just, you know, replacing Kelly and um, working with Vicky, like I was just in such a privileged 
position to learn. And But I, what I do am thankful for is that I knew I was. And so I literally mm. was a sponge. I observed everything. I watched everybody. I watched every decision and every move everybody made. And I learned. That's yeah. beautiful. Baptism by fire, as they say, right? Like, really was. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are wrapping up now. We'd like to finish our episodes with a dose of drama. It's where you maybe suggest something that you're watching or reading or have seen recently, something that's on your mind. Yeah. You want to rant about or rave about. We'll all share one. Connor, do you want to go first? I will. There is some drama going on in the entertainment world. Bobby Burke is leaving Queer Eye after eight seasons. And now oh, yeah. I know you're probably asking yourself, it's been going on for eight seasons. Are you serious? But it is. And I've watched every last second of them because Antony is still fine as hell. And also it makes me cry, but there's gotta be something going on because Bobby posted a nice statement, but then an insider close to Netflix, close to Queer Eye came out and was saying that there was like onset turmoil. Maybe he was ready to move on. I hope everyone's all right, but I need to know what the drama was. I need to know. I'm sure he'll write about it in a book someday, but yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I'm, well, I wonder if the show will continue on without him. I mean, I heard it, it is. for so I long. It is. It is? Ooh. Yeah, every boy band, someone leaves first. You're right. You know? We and have so we have Jerry it's... Halliwell from Spice Girls. We have Zane from One Direction. We mm-hmm. have Camila Cabello JT from, from Fifth Harmony. Mm-hmm. JT from Insync. You know, so maybe yeah. Bobby will um he'll become even bigger than he is now. But I need to know the yeah. drama. So if anyone knows it, please message me. Dylan, that is big drama. What's your dose of drama? Okay, so last night I randomly at 10 p.m. decided to start a movie, and I watched on Netflix this movie Nyad. That's like about Diana Nyad, the famous swimmer who swam from Cuba to Key West at 64 years old. Oh my God. Everyone told me the movie was cheesy and like kind of silly. I cried like a baby at the end. Really? I love an inspirational, I guess we'll call it a sports story, but like, oh my God, it was so good. And Hunter came home like an hour in and like was sucked in. He was like fully ready for bed. Like it was amazing. Was a net betting giving. Was Jody? She was giving, but for me, it was all about Jodie Foster. Wow. Um, wow, wow. Yes. Wow. Now, now, Katie Rose, do you have a dose of drama for us today? I do. I'm very, very in love with lessons in chemistry. I'm sure everybody's watching it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I don't have Apple TV plus, but I know it's only like six bucks, but I, I've heard that it's the one to watch with Brie Larson, right? It's very good. And I will tell you, so Crystal Joy Brown and I share a dressing room. And when I have told her about this, she immediately was like, well, have you read the book? And now I'm going to read the book because so, but I said, but you need to watch the show first to tell me if I will still enjoy the book after <laughs> watching the show. You know what I mean? Cause I didn't know. Oh yeah. This is how out of touch I am. I have a bunch of kids, but like, I didn't know it was like a book phenomenon first. And so I just joined in on like the Apple TV or, you know, mm-hmm. series. That's so great. It's so good. It is so good. And I am. And, and so Crystal started watching it too. And she was like, you should definitely still read the book because I don't think you're going to like, it's just so in a line. I don't think you're going to feel like, you missed out by not reading the book first. Okay. I can picture the cover of the book. I feel like everybody was sharing it for like yes. years. Oh, I mm-hmm. totally missed that. That I missed. And then I love I randomly saw it on a sign. And then I was in my dressing room and I was like, oh yeah, this is that. I was on Apple TV and I pulled it up. And then I started it that night. It is very good. Okay. Ooh, I'm, I'm in the market it. for a new show. So I'll, I'll definitely That's your next have to show. give it a go. Thank you for that. And and thank you for this amazing chat, Katie Rose. It has been so nice to get to meet you. And it's beyond my wildest dreams that you're even more sweet and genuine than I always had, had imagined you to be. So thank you for spending your time with us. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you guys so much for having me. I had the best time talking to y'all. 
Aw, oh, you're so you. sweet. Um, everybody needs to follow you on Instagram. And your Instagram name is, is it just your Katie Rose Clark? It's just Katie uh-huh. Rose Clark? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and while they're following you, they better follow us at the Drama Podcast where you can see the photo of Groff posing with my tweet printed out. You can also follow me at Connor McDowell, Dylan at Dylan McDowell. <laughs> and everyone's got to go see Merrily We Roll Along through March, hopefully longer. Well, it should run forever and ever. You never know. Let's uh, let's make it happen. Yeah. Love it. Thank you again, Katie and Connor. I will see you next time. Drama. Drama.